Welcome to the Course in Miracles podcast. Before the ayahuasca, before the Lesson 153, Course in Miracles podcast. This is another one of those particularly long ones. It's like four pages long in the, in the book. Course in Miracles has very small print too. I don't know if you've noticed that, but we are plugging right along. So again, so much brilliance, so much wisdom, so much truth buried in the pages of these lessons and the pages of the text. I think I have been experiencing the holy instant in the way that the text says it will be experienced. So if you read the textbook, chapter 15 is called the holy instant. And the holy instant is basically when you have an experience in which you realize it's not even really a realization, but it is. It's you discover or are presented with the fact that all that you could ever ask to have given to you is encapsulated within this single very instant, this this holy instant. And it says in this chapter, you have not experienced the holy instant yet, but you will. And I first read that seven, eight, nine years ago. And I remember thinking, I don't, I don't think this back then, this was several months ago or last year, maybe two years ago. I remember thinking like someday I will. And then I'm in the grocery store. It's hap- it happens in the parking lot of grocery stores for some reason. I am overtaken with divine energy. I am overcome with divine loving energy. And yesterday I was in Ralph's grocery store. It's one of the chains out here, Ralph's. And I, there's this onset of this higher level of consciousness and it's just all encompassing. And I'm, I just start walking around the grocery store, just walking around in wondrous delight, much in the way that Eckhart Tolle talks about this state sort of overcoming him. So stick with it, stick with it. And I'm just going to, I'm probably just going to plow through this one in service of time or in the interest of time, because this is one, you could spend these longer lessons. As I've mentioned, Miriam Williamson has a talk on lesson 194. I place the future in my hands, in the hands of, I place my future in the hands of God. That's at, it's like 90 minutes long. Just just that one lesson, which is one of these longer lessons. We're in a stretch of very long lessons. So do your best with them. Pull out the book, read them yourself. Read along as I'm reading them. Read along as I'm reading them. Make notes and send the notes to me or to other students or whomever. Really powerful, beautiful, amazing stuff here. Lesson 153, in my defenselessness, my safety lies. You who feel threatened by this changing world, its twists of fortune and its bitter jests, its brief relationship and all the, quote, gifts it merely lends to make, it merely lends to take away again, attend this lesson well. The world provides no safety. It is rooted in attack and all its, quote unquote, gifts of seeming safety are illusory deceptions. It attacks and then attacks again. No peace of mind is possible where danger threatens thus. So these quote-unquote gifts, the Tesla, the drugs, the money, the sex, as I'm always emphasizing those particular. I don't know if that, those are, those are my projections. You come up with your own. The world gives rise but to defensiveness. For threat brings anger, anger makes attack seem reasonable, honestly provoked, and righteous in the name of self-defense. 
yet is defensiveness a double threat? For it attests to weakness and sets up a system of defense that cannot work. Now are the weak still further undermined, for there is treachery without and still a greater treachery within. The mind is now confused and knows not where to turn to find escape from its imaginings. It is as if a circle held it fast, wherein another circle bound it and another one in that, until escape, no, until escape no longer can be hoped for nor obtained. Anger defense, defense attack, become the circle, the circles of the hours and the days that bind the mind in heavy bands of steel with iron overlaid, returning but to start again. Fun stuff, the world of the ego. There seems to be no break nor ending in the ever-tightening grip of the imprisonment upon the mind. Defenses are the costliest of all the prices which the ego would exact. In them lies madness in a form so grim that hope of sanity seems but but see, but hope that excuse me that hope of sanity seems but to be an idle dream beyond the possible. The sense of threat the world encourages is so much deeper and so far beyond the frenzy and intensity of which you can conceive that you have no idea of all the devastation it has wrought. You are its slave. You know now what you do in fear of it. You do not understand how much you have been made to sacrifice who feel its iron grip upon your heart. You do not realize what you have done to sabotage the holy peace of God by your defensiveness. For you behold the Son of God as but a victim to attack by fantasies, by dreams, and by illusions he has made, yet helpless in their presence, needful only of defense by still more fantasies and dreams by which illusions of his safety comfort him. Defenselessness is strength. It testifies to recognition of the Christ in you. Perhaps you will recall the the text maintains that choice is always made between Christ's strength and your own weakness, seen apart from him. Defenselessness can never be attacked because it recognizes strength so great attack is folly or a silly game a tired children might play, a tired child might play when he becomes too sleepy to remember what he wants. Defensiveness is weakness. So think about when you know you're you're put in a defensive position or somebody says something that triggers you and you get defensive. Is that a powerful place to be coming from? So when someone says, why are you being so defensive? I'm not being defensive. You see the unpleasant weakness in that? I say this as a relatively defensive person, right? So defensiveness, consider that that is weakness. It proclaims you have denied the Christ and come to fear his father's anger. What can save you now from your delusion of an angry God whose fearful image you believe you see at work in all the evils of the world? What but illusions could defend you now when it is but illusions that you fight? We will not play such childish games today, for our true purpose is to save the world, and we would not exchange for foolishness the endless joy our function offers us. We would not let our happiness slip by because a fragment of a senseless dream happened to cross our minds, and we mistook the the figures in it for the Son of God, its tiny instant, for eternity. 
We look past dreams today and recognize that we need no defense because we are created unassailable without all thought or wish or dream in which attack has any meaning. Now we cannot fear, for we have left all fearful thoughts behind. And in defenselessness, we stand secure, serenely certain of our safety now, sure of salvation, sure we will fulfill our chosen purpose as our ministry extends its holy blessing through the world. Be still a moment, and in silence, think how holy is your purpose, how secure you rest, untouchable within its light. God's ministers have chosen that the truth be with them. Who is holier than they? Who could be surer that his happiness is fully guaranteed? There's a lesson coming up here not too long. I am amongst the ministers of God. And consider that, oh, it's actually tomorrow. I just skipped ahead and checked it. Uh, Consider that by doing these lessons, you actually do become a minister in your own little way. It is the function of God's ministers to help their brothers choose as they have done. God has elected all, but few have come to realize that his will is but their own. And while you fail to teach what you have learned, salvation waits and darkness holds the world in grim imprisonment. Nor will you learn that light has come to you and your escape has been accomplished. For you will not see the light until you offer it to all your brothers. As they take it from your hands, so will you recognize it as your own. Salvation can be thought of as a game that happy children play. It was designed by one who loves his children and who would replace their fearful toys with joyous games, which teach them that the game of fear is gone. His game instructs in happiness because there is no loser. (laughs) There are no losers in this game. I'm like thinking back to like something a teacher said in elementary school. Everyone who plays must win, and in his winning is the gain to everyone insured. The game of fear is gladly laid aside when children come to see the benefits salvation brings. You who have played that you are lost to hope, abandoned by your father, left alone in terror, and a fearful world made mad by sin and guilt, be happy now. That game is over. Now a quiet time has come in which we put away the toys of guilt and lock our quaint and childish thoughts of sin forever from the pure and holy minds of heaven's children and the Son of God. There's just one of those beautiful, beautiful passages. Now a quiet time has come in which we put away the toys of guilt and lock our quaint and childish thoughts of sin forever from the pure and holy minds of heaven's children and the Son of God. Wow. We pause, but for a moment more, to play our final happy game upon this earth, and then we go to take our rightful place where truth abides and games are meaningless. So is the story ended. Let this day bring the last chapter closer to the world that everyone may learn the tale he reads of terrifying destiny, defeat of all his hopes, his pitiful defenses against a vengeance he could not escape is but his own deluded fantasy. So we're closing that chapter. We're closing the chapter of the ego, the chapter of viciousness, the chapter of all that is rude, the chapter of, uh, as it says, terrifying destiny, defeat of all hopes, right? This world of vengeance, 
right? This story is over. This old story of the ego is over. God's ministers have come to waken him from the dark dreams this story has evoked in his confused, bewildered memory of this distorted tale. God's son can smile at last on learning that is not true. Today we practice in a form we will maintain for quite a while. We will begin each day by giving our attention to the daily thought as long as possible. Five minutes now becomes the least we give to preparation for a day in which salvation is the only goal we have. Ten would be better, fifteen better still. And as distraction ceases to arise to turn us from our purpose, we will find that half an hour is too short a time to spend with God, nor will we, we, nor will we willingly give less at night in gratitude and joy. That was kind of like my, this morning I was having this holy instant experience that I was discussing at the beginning of the episode, and I just, I sat, I was going to go to the coffee shop, and I was just sitting there completely and totally ecstatic with the joy of God surrounding me in this exquisite bliss. I don't know how long I sat there. It was beautiful. Each hour adds to our increasing peace as we remember to be faithful to the will we share with God. At times, perhaps a minute, even less, will be the most time we can offer as the hour strikes. Sometimes we will forget. At other times, the business of the world will close on us and we will be unable to withdraw a little while and turn our thoughts to God. Yet when we can... We will observe our trust as ministers of God in hourly remembrance of our mission in his love. And we will quietly sit by and wait on him and listen to his voice and learn what he would have us do the hour that is yet to come while thanking him for all the gifts he gave us in the one gone by. So God, tell me how to navigate this next hour of my life and thank you so much for the last hour. In time, with practice, you will never cease to think of him and hear his loving voice guiding your footsteps into quiet ways where you will walk in true defenselessness. For you will know that heaven goes with you, nor would you keep your mind away from him a moment, even though your time is spent in offering salvation to the world. Think you he will not make this possible for you who chose to carry out his plan for the salvation of the world and yours? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read that again. Think you he will not make this possible for you who chose to carry out his plan for the salvation of the world and yours? Today, our theme is our defenselessness. We clothe ourselves in it as we prepare to meet the day. We rise up strong in Christ and let our weakness disappear as we remember that his strength abides in us. We will remind ourselves that he remains beside us through the day and never leaves our weaknesses unsupported by his strength. We call upon his strength each time we feel the threat of our defenses undermine our certainty of purpose. We will pause a minute and see as, I, as he tells us, I am here. So we will pause a moment as he tells us, I am here. So anything you bump into that you don't think you can handle, you just pause for a second and you just let God remind you that he's there. Your practicing now will, bring, will begin to take the earnestness of love to help you keep your mind from wandering from its intent. Be not afraid nor timid. There can be no doubt that you will reach your final goal. The ministers of God can never fail because the love and strength and peace that shine from them to all their brothers come from him. These are his gifts to you. Defenselessness is all you need to give him in return. 
you lay aside but what was never real to look on Christ and see his sinlessness. I really encourage you to take some time to read this over yourself and to honor the course for what it is. It is profound. It is beatific. It is beautiful. It is beyond this world. I had an experience today where I went out riding on my one wheel, the the thing that I got hurt on so badly. I've been riding it around because I need to get outside and it's really the only vessel I have access to. I've been riding a lot more conservatively so as to minimize accidents. I haven't fallen since I've been riding it on the street, knock on wood. I, the accidents happen on trails. I ride on trails and riding on the street is a lot safer. Anyway, there was this truck that just came, I mean, plowing, plowing through the intersection well past the crosswalk just as the crosswalk sign was turning to the, just as the, the, the crossing sign for the pedestrian was turning on. So in other words, I had the go ahead to cross the crosswalk and I was actually going to walk my board so that I was technically a pedestrian. And this guy just blew right through the crosswalk and I'm walking up to him and he's not seeing me there. And I have the right of way as a pedestrian. And I screamed at the top of my lungs, Hey, to notify him of my presence. And he looked at me and he went, oh, like, sorry. And then he made the right hand turn anyway. So he was in a rush to get somewhere. I intuited in, in immediately that he was intoxicated. And, and he just went about his life. He could have, if I had not yelled, he would have very, very literally run me over. He would have plowed me over with his F-250. No joke. And I got across the intersection, and this guy was well on his way to continue being insane or drunk or high on drugs or whatever it was. And I just said to God, will you help me to, will, will you help me to use this to, to learn the true meaning of forgiveness? I want to learn what forgiveness means because of this. And it was this thing I didn't have to really think about that just sort of happened. It was this effortless willingness to forgive. You know, I hope that guy doesn't plow anybody over or get in anybody's way today that's less forgiving because he is rolling some karmic dice, I will tell you that much. So thanks to all for listening, and I will talk to you next time on the Course in Miracles podcast. Bye-bye.